Our text is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalm 145. And if we read and also reflect on this psalm in the preaching, you will see that this psalm is brimful of praise unto the Lord. And in fact, that's also the reason why in this service we sing a lot too. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so let us read this psalm. It's a song of praise of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints, shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. <clears throat> After the sermon, we will sing us Amen song also from this psalm, Psalm 145, the stanzas 4 and 5.
Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Psalm 145 is part of the Old Testament. Now all that God revealed in the Old Testament needs to be understood as the preparation of God's redemptive work through his Son, Jesus Christ. He himself in John 5 verse 39, he said to the Jews that the scriptures, and then they are the Old Testament scriptures, they bear witness of him. And so Psalm 145 therefore also speaks of Christ. King David, inspired and led by God's Spirit, wrote this psalm. And that's when Verse 1 speaks about my God and King. And when later on references is, is made, a reference is made of God's kingdom, even his everlasting kingdom, then praise is given for the kingdom of his Son, Jesus. Indeed, at the time Psalm 145 was written, God was busy. He was about to raise up among the people of Israel the kingdom and dominion of Christ. For it was on account of Christ that from the beginning God's covenant people Israel was chosen out of all the nations. And it was also on account of Christ that God gave his law to them and his detailed instructions for worship, worshiping him as, his, as, as their covenant God. And therefore, though Christ isn't mentioned in Psalm 145, we do well to recognize that a luxuriant abundance of words and expressions about God's character encourage, yes, stimulate us to worship God with great urgency and intensity because of his work through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, his redemptive work. So when we praise God with admiration, we do so praising him for who God is in Christ. When we worship God with adoration, we devote ourselves to God in Christ. When giving God our witnessing praise, we proclaim we proclaim to men, we proclaim to the world that God is our King in Christ. Yes, He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Well, in the most exalted manner, most probably you also immediately observed it when we read Psalm 145. In the most exalted manner, the psalmist David proclaims the mercy of God. 
also his power and providence. And then people, God's people, are encouraged to worship him, to worship him on a very high note. And so the message of God's word is this morning, God's overwhelming mercy, power, and providence, may God's people give him cascading praise. And that is admiration, praise, that is adoration, praise, and proclamation, praise. God's overwhelming mercy, power, and providence. May God's people give him cascading praise, admiration, adoration, and proclamation praise. Well, Psalm 145 starts by saying, I will extol you. I, beloved, that is not a self-assertive I. Look what I'm doing. I do it, and I praise God. You know, in today's culture, one likes to focus on self, on own interests. Yes, on the I, the me, the my. How often do we hear, I think, my view, my plan. So one stands, lives for own interests, goes by own thoughts, feelings. And opinions. It's all around us in our arrogant world. And let's be honest. Since we breathe in that climate, that assertive attitude tries to get also a foothold with us. Before we know it, we go with the flow within society. A society that is fed by a very secular culture. Now, the eye of David is fed by another spirit. Rather, By God's Holy Spirit. His other psalms testify to that as well. For example, Psalm 86. In that psalm, David confesses of himself, I am poor and needy. And then in full dependence on the Lord, he asked, he asked the Lord, Teach me 
your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Yes, unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you with my whole heart. And that's precisely also what is behind his eye in Psalm 145. It is his believing and humble heart expressing praise to God. <coughs> and therefore he is not boasting in or admiring his own power and glory as the king of Israel. His glorious God is his glorious God is David's focus. He praises his God as my God, my king, and he admires his Lord for his greatness, grace, and goodness. It's abundantly clear that in Psalm 145, not a proud man is speaking, like someone as King Nebuchadnezzar later on praised himself. Look what I've done, what I have built, what I possess, this great city, great land. Not at all. David praises his majestic God as the fountain of all good. And his praise is exuberant. You've noted this during the scripture reading. David comes to cascading praise. A praise gushes from his lips like a waterfall. The words tumble one over another. They, they acclaim God for his great and majestic deeds. In several rounds of words with similar, similar meaning, he brings glory to the God, to his God of heaven and earth. There is no difference of meaning between, in verse 1, between the verbs extol, bless, and praise. The usage of the different words indicate that praise to God should be constantly, constantly given. Like the Niagara waterfalls don't stop flowing. And it's cascading more than 50 meters from the escarpment. So, in that way, godly praise should constantly cascading, gush from our lips, from people's lips, from ours. And what they do, and speak, and especially, of course, sing. And our praise doesn't stop, even stop at our death, beloved. Indeed, the scope of our constant praise is beyond the grave. Verses 1 and 2 say that praise, and it is repeated, it is, comes back at the very end of the psalm. Those verses say that praise to God is forever and ever. David's praise shows that for him, 
God is not just a nice thought or a feeling, neither a dream or just a religious idea. God reveals himself as a person. For he, God, speaks to his people, speaks to us. God loves us. God disciplines us. He cares for us, for young and old. Daily he comes to our aid. He sets us again straight when we fall. God gives us life. And we trust that he will make our lives perfect and glorious. That hope will not deceive us. Congregation, our today's troubles and tensions, threats and dangers. People expect a lot from politicians and scientists. They, they should solve man's problems. And especially science and technique are greatly valued. And people who work in those fields are very clever and powerful and are hugely commended and admired for what they are doing. And they truly, they truly come to great things. They do great work. Beloved, yes. Man has great power. God himself states that fact. It's written in a story on the building of the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, verse 6. People will come to great things. And they have great ideas. They can build the city of man. And in that context, God recognized that nothing, nothing man plans to do would be impossible for what he has in mind. In what he proposes, we read there in, in Genesis 11, verse 6, what man proposes, he will succeed. And so, beloved, especially young people and students, take note what God says there in Genesis 11, verse 6. <clears throat> he confirms there that man indeed has great power. Again, what he has in mind, man has the ability to succeed in what he proposes. <clears throat> Beloved, to build structures, to govern countries, to examine our earth and life on our planet, all that is great and necessary. Yet, yet, what do eyes of those who examine things observe? <clears throat> what do their hands touch? 
More importantly, from where do they get their strength and power? Well, clever engineers and builders as the ones of the Tower of Babel, powerful rulers like Nebuchadnezzar, scientists of today's, today's climate ideology, and all those who study geology and study the origin of life on earth, all those people should not forget that they are observing and dealing with the mighty and wondrous works of our great and most holy God. Yes, all things come from him. And as God's people admire him as creator, <clears throat> stand in awe of his handiwork, like the psalmist, like Psalm 145, observe and meditate and then give God your admiration praise. God indeed is the fountain, as we confess. He is the fountain of all good. And his fame is superb. He made all things in a split second by his powerful word. As we read in Genesis 1 and in many other places like Psalm 33. By God's unsearchable, we can't fathom him, we can't fathom things, the psalm says, by his unsearchable greatness, our creator God keeps all things running through his providence. What's even more? He, God, is so to speak the divine artisan who finishes off his plan for the coming of his eternal kingdom. And there, of course, is a lot more to say about our exceptionally great God so that we more and more have reason to overflow with admiring and cascading praise of him, like Psalm 145 does. And yet, closely connected to admiration is adoration. It flows together. But we look at it in point two. <clears throat> Indeed, with David, David's admiration flows or gushes into adoration. God's greatness and faithfulness moves him to devoted loyalty to his God. He just, keep, he just can keep silent about the glorious splendor of God's majesty. His personal experience of the great God he has urges him to share with others. Personal admiration flows kind of naturally over into shared worship and devotion with others. 
His personal admiration praise brings him to speak, to sing, to sing even aloud about it. And so to communicate to others. And look then what the content of his admiration, adoration is. He gives attention to what he admires in God. Mentioned are his awesome deeds. God's greatness and his abundant goodness, his righteousness. Now that heaping up of God's actions is to draw attention to God's overwhelming glory. No one is to be likened to him. Often you hear that statement in scripture, the statement that God says, who is like me? Who is like God? The obvious answer is no one. To celebrate God's uniqueness is clearly to take part in praiseful worship. And that's also indicated by the parallel sentence in verse 7 and shall sing aloud. Of your righteousness. Therefore once again. Though David personally is captivated by his majestic God. He wants to celebrate his excited joy with others. Now who then are the first ones? They are. Children's. Children, as we read, one generation shall commend your works to another. Or generation unto generation shall celebrate your works. Some translate, they will narrate your works generation after generation. All those translations, those renderings clearly show that adoration praise is passed on to and celebrated with those who are immediately close to you. Within the family, within God's house, the church community, the saints I mentioned, fellow believers. Verse 10, yet others shouldn't be neglected either, as verse 12 indicates. But first, godly parents, godly teachers, and godly congregation members will and need to tell of God's mighty acts within the family within the congregation, and also, of course, within our school. You very well know that children and youngsters need to know the meaning and responsibilities they have in later life when they are adults. They have to be prepared for that adult life. Yet, 
What are they living for? To take up their own assertive life in society? Who is number one in David's life? He starts his psalm with, I will extol you, my God and King. And I like to think that we all know when the question is asked, what actually, what is the chief, the chief purpose of man? Of course, you will say, that is to glorify God. Exactly and precisely what Psalm 145 is doing. Glorifying God, praising him with cascading praise. Oh, beloved, especially parents, take note. Let your children honor, love, and thank you because you have coached and tutored your children in praising the God of heaven and earth. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so let your home be filled with adoration praise. That's why our churches have the book of praise. Also other hymnals are available. So open them. Open them frequently. Sing your praises. That they gush out of your mouth as a waterfall. Fill your homes with godly songs and music. At your devotions and home worship. Then our text encourages us there to be cheerleaders. Cheerleaders for the children and youth of the congregation. Furthermore, in nature around you and elsewhere, there are plenty of great wonders of God to admire. Let him make the coming generation, let him make to adore God. Adore God and God alone. And rejoice, young people, about the wonders of God when you study them at home, at school, or at university. Observe in all of that God's greatness and majesty. And then loudly, loudly praise him in song and music. Again, as David says in verse 7. And, when, and, and we all need to be encouraged to loudly sound our admiration and adoration of God's works in the world around us. And that's why I also termed praise as proclamation praise. At this stage, I'd like to remind you of the statement made at the beginning of the sermon. The Old Testament reveals God's preparation work for the gospel of Christ. 
The gospel is revealed in the New Testament. And therefore, Psalm 145 shows that God's greatness and his grace and his goodness isn't limited to the Old Testament nation Israel. Not at all. God's word in this psalm proclaims the glorious height of the worship of God's kingdom. And that is the kingdom, as said before, that is the kingdom of Christ. Therefore, the hope expressed at the psalm's end means that men, all men, may acknowledge the kingdom of Christ. And that's why our Lord and Savior instructed the church to proclaim his gospel to the ends of the earth. Most probably, you have already noticed that a very important passage of our text psalm has been skipped so far. The verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. There's a clear reference to God's self-revelation given in a passage we read also from Exodus 34. Well, those words in the verses 8 and 9 of God's self-revelation, those words give a summary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is, there is no other deliverance from the power of the devil, no other deliverance from sin and death than through the redemptive work of Christ Jesus, our Lord. The peace the world needs and longs for is worked by God and is lovingly and mercifully given through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that needs to be our proclamation. Beloved, that needs your proclamation praise to the world. The redemption of Jesus Christ from sin and death. Proclaim it to the world, including your next door neighbors through the cross he Jesus son of God has, confer, has, has confirmed God's overwhelming mercy and his power and his providence Christ gives life indeed God's highest and most excellent of all works shines forth in the death and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That divine work is the most admirable and adorable of God's greatness, his goodness, 
and his grace. Instead of being self-assertive in a humanistic and self-imposing individualistic world, a people of the Lord humbly, humbly worship the God of all grace. Do so with admiration praise, with adoration praise, and with proclamation praise, so that we in all flesh may bless God's holy name. And then, yes, at the end of the psalm, the astounding words follow forever and ever. Those concluding words indeed show that there will be no end to our praise because when we die, we will enter the glory of heaven. And then in the city of God, the new Jerusalem, we will join the praise of angels and of all the saints around God's throne. Singing, Christ is King of kings. And Lord of lords. Christ has risen from the dead. He conquered sin and grave. Hallelujah. Amen. Our Amen song is Psalm 145, 4 and 5.